listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the 9to5 Entertainment System. If you enjoy the show, please go to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and subscribe to the 90s Deluxe level of subscription where you can get access to our bonus show called Garbage Time. On this week's episode of Garbage Time, we talk about Ghostbusters, Spider-Man, and we assign John a new best worst movie ever. But on this, the main episode of 90S, we talk all about ultramarathons again, the Green Party of Canada and the democratic process, the Omicron variant, we talk about hockey, we talk about the League of Legends, we talk about the FAA 737 Max Crash, and whether or not there was any justice. Uh, we talk about the Cowboy Bebop series on Netflix, the Wheel of Time series on Amazon Prime, uh, then we talk about Conan, I guess, the series everywhere, and then we talk a little bit about E-Man. All this and more on IPS. listeners a little bit the baby crying the sweet baby tears uh in the background of john's house yep Yep. i would be i would be in the office but i can't sit for longer than 20 minutes at a time wow 40s coming up right back back soon real good nope nope it was the last year oh it was this year yeah yeah it was this year no one believed me why wouldn't you believe me 40 changes you the crazy thing is I was fitter this summer than I've been at any point in the rest of my life. Like, I ran 40 kilometers in one week. I've been, I've, like, I was taking care of myself. Yeah, and, uh, I don't get it. God, I, I play softball all summer long. <laughs> but it's, isn't, it's it, all isn't it true? It's like you cross that, the warranty line, yeah. and then everything, uh-huh. everything starts to fall apart. I want the right to Planned, planned <laughs> obsolescence. Exactly. <laughs> But but I was going to say, though, but like, isn't it, I mean, I don't know enough about like physiotherapy and all that stuff, but just like having talked to uh, Professor H. Shane Hawk, who on the Go Plug Yourself episode that was up this week, he like, he got concussed, which he thought was going to take him out of the ring. And then in like rapid succession, like blew out his knee and then like dislodged one of his vertebrae or whatever. So it was just sort of like the time off from not wrestling then caused all of these like lurking injuries to be like, ha ha, and just like popped out so he was like there was like a period where like walking was out of it now he's actually can wrestle again he's like there's certain moves and bumps and stupidities that he doesn't do but what he was saying at least from his physiotherapist was that like it well he was like but i'm in such great shape and apparently it's just like the important of like stretching and like pulling muscles to a certain degree and holding and then moving it back and all that stuff is like far far more important than like running 10ks or like lifting weights or whatever else so i don't know I don't know how much all that is true, but in terms of like the actual like wear and tear on your body, that's mm-hmm. like you can be like in as fit and shape as possible, but if you're not like properly like stretching and bending everything properly, you're, you're well still I mean, blowouts. Was not stretching properly. That's that's for goddamn sure. And I thought that doing like core routines and lifting and running would be enough, but man, I was I was wrong. I mean, it's probably taking care of your like your insides pretty good. I think so. It's like the yeah. actual like bones and joints and all that stuff, like meh. Stretch. <clears throat> Speaking of running, you saw the the thing that I, I sent in the email thread. Mm. You know, that uh, Sarah's cousin's husband oh, yes, ran yes. Uh, over the weekend a the what, he esti- what he estimates to be about one loop of the Berkeley. 
He's like, it was definitely around 20K. And he's like, since it's all unmarked paths, he was running on like unmarked paths to like point to point and always choosing the steepest option possible to try to get a page. Hmm? Did he get a page? Well, no, because they're not running the Berkeley. It's the it's on the he's at this place, but that the Berkeley oh, runs in the spring. He has not see, been accepted. He's just like running. doing it on the terrain of the Berkeley to just see what it's like. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. it. Just to to get it. And he was like, at at all options, I chose the steepest path to right. try to like mimic it. And he was like, still brutal, like still yeah. absolutely brutal. He was like, was starting at my own time, one twenty k, and he was like, felt like just because of the steep incline and whatnot, probably. Uh, on par with like a 30 to 40 K on most other tracks, like his I'm, level of I'm exhaustion. Sure. The, those documentaries were spectacular talking about the people running the Berkeley, Berkeley marathons and missing the guy. I forget what his name was. The dude who missed it by like seven minutes or whatever. The Canadian yeah. dude. Yeah. Yeah. But it turned out that he didn't, he not just missed it by a couple minutes. He, would he also not, missed one of the pages or whatever. He also, yeah, exactly. He also got lost. <laughs> just, magnificent though magnificent yeah. stories yeah so this this guy that i know tyler is like uh doing doing the 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 berkeley is like one of his aspirations hmm. he was doing an 80k back in august in the rockies which yep. apparently had a had a similar similar incline and height change or whatever else like that from uh something like the berkeley Wasn't uh, that on fire? and that was the problem yeah he he had to tap out at 62 clicks out of 80 because his like lungs were not like gathering enough air, and apparently all but the most like seasoned ultra marathon runners all had to tap out. They were all like afraid that they were have had like serious issues, <laughs> and apparently they all like tested clear. It was so because like they were testing air quality, and it was good enough for like you or I to be out. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like just like sucking lungs on a sixty kilometer, eighty kilometer running, apparently just was like enough to like. Just like a teeny tiny little bit of oxygen, these otherwise really trained runners were used to getting and they weren't getting, yeah. was yeah. enough to like make them all blow up somewhere between 50, 50 to seventy, like a bunch of do not finishes apparently on this one. Hmm. So, and and they all kind of chalk it up to being like, yeah, smog. <laughs> like, I was like, wow, I can't. Reasonable. I can't even imagine. Like, I, I've been out to the Rockies when there was the forest fires, and you're just sort of like, yeah, like you like jog a bit, and I was like sucking wind. I was like, I wouldn't be like, let's do that for fifty miles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, none of us are running ultra marathons anytime soon. Heck I'm no, <laughs> nope. I'm still recovering from a strained glute from this summer. <laughs> I stood up weird. No, no, it was a softball one. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's taken me like three months before I'm even even able to jog a little bit. That one sucked. That's fine. Yeah. I like to I like to uh, think about it though that like while our bodies like go the way of wear and tear the planet seems to be like falling apart right alongside us that's so. not a good thing to think that's terrible we should be leaving <laughs> oh. a better planet oh right i felt that i felt like it, it developed a kinship to the planet i feel connected to it i'm like mm-hmm. i get you planet <laughs> <laughs> to my body i'm like i didn't mean all those things i did 20 years ago <laughs> now i'm dealing with them yeah don't know about that. So that's a good segue. I spent um, 18 hours between Friday and Saturday at the Green Party National Convention, mm-hmm. which naturally was online in uh, uh, in this day and age, mm-hmm. getting a firsthand look at the uh, face of democratic processes in Canada. Wow, wow, mm-hmm. wow. Is it a frustrating experience? So mm-hmm. the way... The way it works is that you the the party votes on on like 
motions and policies that they want to adopt as the official policies of the Green Party. Mm-hmm. So this this took like in the last two years, they've been people proposing all of these things. You know, somebody says, OK, we should be supporting um, farmers who want to do regenerative uh, farming to to do carbon capture as part of their farming processes. Right. So this, you know, enough of the party members vote for this thing to be official policy. It can't become official policy until there's been debate on it. That debate happens at a convention. People at the convention talk about it. And then the convention goers vote on if it's going to be official Green Party policy. Mm -hmm. There was like 60 of these policies that were not, not like they were voted more than 60% or something by the members, right? So it was like pretty wide acceptance that we wanted all of these things. And we barely got through like nine of them, I think, in the time of the thing, just because there were so many people. It's like, I disagree with the phrasing of this particular thing. I disagree with this thing on principle. There was like one one of the things was about um, Wi-Fi and that we should be limiting the use of Wi-Fi and using federal funds to get fiber to, to the premises in the north so that they don't mm-hmm. have to use Wi-Fi because it's poisonous. All kinds of all kinds of stuff. It was a, you know, in, on the one hand, it was good to see people talking about the things that they expect their political party to to support. On the other hand, it was just like pulling teeth to get anything done. Yep. I yeah. mean, I get, and I think that's that's the 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 underside, I guess, of all. At least as we've observed the democratic process across like everywhere. Right. It's like we are sort of like you've we, the, the Americans have a system where like filibustering somehow is a thing. But even yeah. still, but just like the amount of stuff that has to like get tabled, then debated, then reviewed, then whatever. And that's all stuff that like mostly what we see is already been adopted by policy by the party. So like to yeah. your point, that's already happened just to get it to be like, OK, now as a party, we believe in this. And then all of a sudden in Canada, now it has to be debated to be motioned into the House. You know what I, I mean? Like, I actually also, really disagree. Also, but I think- go, go ahead, Scott. That's what's amazing to me is John went to a Green Party meeting, which you kind of would assume they mostly have similar takes on things, like from the oh, outside. Hell no. Yeah, that's not a chance. The, okay, so this is this is bo- to both of the things you just said, Scott and Keith. So I think people who are members of the Green Party are there because they have like a passionate interest in a in particular subjects. You know, the guy who was there saying that Wi-Fi is dangerous for people and we need the government to go and curtail its use, like that's his thing. That's why he's at the Green Party. And some people are at the Green Party because they think that, you know, they, they want to push indigenous rights and they know that the other parties don't give two fucks. Mm-hmm. Some people are at the Green Party because they, they, they feel the climate crisis is the only thing that matters that should be debated at any level of government and that we have to focus our all of our efforts on that. And then the next issue and the next issue and the next issue. So but then when you're when you're when you're at the Liberal Party convention, the interest of everybody there is let's get liberal people elected doesn't matter what the fuck they have to say. It doesn't matter what they have to do. You know, if somebody at the top says, well, our policy should be this and the party is, is going to say this is our highest chances of getting elected, they're just going to go with that. And so the difference of passion versus election creates a very, very different output in these uh, in these forums. I would bet anyway. I haven't, well, I haven't been to the Liberal Party one. I, I'm just, I mean, like, I again, obviously, I don't necessarily know about necessarily the Canadian parties or whatever. And while I will agree with you on, like, getting elected being the primary votes or primary concern of the party. Like look at the Democrats now where the entire like Biden's build back better bill gets completely hamstrung by like two Democrats who are like, nah, I don't think (laughs) it's fair to compare the two. I think the, the, the like corruption in the American system is so thorough 
we don't we don't have a like a, a relatable sure but but it's there. it's still that like those two like what's her name and what's his name mansion <laughs> Man- mansion mansion and meat sesame sesame something like that sesame yeah, mansions. Anyway. Uh-huh. yes anyway <laughs> sesame mansion men and Sesame Mansion woman. Anyway, but like those two are like the only reason they're Democrats was like ostensibly to get elected. Like that's why they would even were even allowed it in the allowed in the party, right? Because they're incredibly like right leaning Democrats. But they were like, well, it's a seat for the Dems, so it's like that's how you get in your foot in the door. But now then you deal with repercussions just down the road where you're like, oh right, they're almost Republicans, mm-hmm. even though we let them in the party so that we could win those seats. They're now being like we have some reservations about this bill. So it's just like, it's that weird. It's, I mean, like obviously in American politics is like massive issues. And like you said, corruption all over the place, but it's still that weird thing that being like in a democracy, you need to draw the line somewhere and you need X number of people to get on board. And that's always going to be a monster discussion to like hit X and then move it to the next level, then hit X. Cause no, it's like nobody is homogenous and thinking alike. Right. Yeah. Like once they're elected and now they're passing policy, well, it's the same thing kind of, you know, like they're, they're not all voting against party lines. I mean, I guess the Republicans are all voting against the Democrats and that's also stupidity. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. And I think that we get that in Canada also, right? Like we just yes. have parties like the opposition will just vote down anything, whether or not it's good for their electors. That's I don't know that it's quite as bad. I think the liberals and conservatives in Canada are aligned enough on businessy type of stuff. A lot of that shit just gets through. Businessy thing, sure. Yeah, I think. and I think you see <laughs> you see people switch sides more often in Canada than you will in the states. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because I mean, yeah, there's there's also like, like multiple Trump. places to go, right? Trump Trump ran as a Democrat in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the good old days. Oh man, but yeah. I was going to say the other the other thing that about like politics in general is just. The fact that, like, when your political motivations have, like, have you no longer operating to the people that voted you. And I think that that happens in both Canada and the United States. Yep. Right? Like, yep. where you're just like, nope, I, I have a political agenda that I need to further. So. See you, suckers. Thanks for the yes. votes. Screw you, whatever is best for people. Like, yeah. like just like, I, I, I mean, like, I love the, the conservative, uh, like, the conservative dialogue for like Justin Trudeau isn't doing enough for the vaccine. And then all of a sudden we have like a vaccine surplus and he's like, what do you mean he's making you get vaccinated? You're like, it's the same people that were like slamming his vaccine response are now yeah. against his vaccine response. And you're like, this is the exact same person. Uh, yeah. Here, so speaking, of, speaking of politics, sliding into oh. sports, mm-hmm. uh, Legault <laughs> talking about uh, the Canadians need to be good and hockey in Quebec needs to be better. Uh, that's a priority. And the answer is more French Canadian players. Yeah, the answer there should be more French Canadian players on the Canadians. Obviously, huh. there were there was a thousand cases a day for the last uh, couple of days in Quebec of mm-hmm. COVID news of a new variant. That's is that the Omicron coming through? Futurama was trending on Twitter for the wrong reason. <laughs> All the Omicron memes. You know what they say: girls are from Omicron seven. Boys are from Omicron 9. It's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and, and, and the head of our, our province is talking about the state of hockey. Hot take would go. Seriously. Well, I mean, to be fair, they then promptly fired the French-Canadian GM and 
fire and let a bunch of people go and whatever else. Yeah, how are yeah. you all Habs doing? Oh, hang on, uh, Keith. Here's, here's that, how that loops back in. Uh, Bergevin found out about it because it leaked on Hockey Night in Canada because he was at home with COVID. <laughs> yeah, isn't that fun? Uh, who's going to send you an email, a phone call about, you know, the COVID? I didn't want to disturb you. Heard you, wow, heard you were real sick. Leaked to Elliot Friedman, who talked about it on the pregame show on Saturday. They could have sent, sent a little uh, a singing nurse, like in Ferris Bueller. Exactly. I heard that you were <laughs> feeling ill, but you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Did I tell you I saw Shea Weber last night? Uh, you did. Yeah. He said he yeah. wasn't limping or nothing. Wasn't limping or nothing. Looked good. Having, having a beer with the boys who also looked like, they certainly looked like hockey men and like had vaguely recognizable faces. I was like, I don't know. Like if they're like older retired players or like maybe players from somewhere else or I was like maybe they were penguins. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not aware of who they were, but they were they were all certainly like built like brick shit houses and hockey dudes. And yeah, it looked really good. And how, then how um, was their uh, their trivia game? They were not playing trivia. They were at the yeah. bar while we played trivia. But I then see. local funny man Brad McDonald, without a word, walked up with the trophy that we won for trivia and then just set it down next to Shea Weber and then just nodded and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, you're lucky you didn't take your fucking head off, man. <laughs> it's like you want to like you want to poke the guy known throughout the NHL as the mount the man mountain. <laughs> Like, hmm. Anyway, he was like, I thought he looked, he looked like he needed a trophy. Ouch. Yeah, I was like, brutal. I was like, if you would, it was like, he, he said it without a, like, wordlessly. I feel that if he had said it with a word, he would have at least gotten a dirty stare. As it was, Shay just looked at him like, why are you putting your trophy next to me? <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, walking with no limp and stuff. So I don't know if he'll ever play hockey again, but it is kind of nice in a weird way to see that his like normal human life when he's not making millions of dollars won't be like irreparably damaged the way NFL players often are. Where you're just sort of like, you just see them all rickety and in like walkers and stuff. And you're like, oh, that guy's 50. Head shaken so, from the TVR. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. So he looked like he looked to be living well, keeping good. And Sarah was like, I don't think he's that big. And then he stood up and he stood up and she was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. that is a big boy. Yep. Six, five. Like, and just jacked. Just, just jacked. Those, those big yep. defensemen are big guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, answer yeah. to your question, John, the Habs are trash. Hot, fiery are garbage. The worst, fiery garbage. The worst first quarter of a season since the Habs existed. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're as bad as they have ever been. And yeah, right, to analyze. Why? Uh, a lot. Okay, a lot of it, like a, a big, big portion of it, and I feel the portion that is not getting enough uh, <laughs> like attention is that Dominic Ducharme is not an NHL coach. <laughs> so Dominic Ducharme took control. Like they they fired Claude Julien. He was the assistant coach, and he took control of a team that was kind of like getting hot. Well, actually, they weren't getting hot. They were. They almost fumbled the ball and did not make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then nearly got eliminated by the Toronto Maple Leafs and then like rally back three games. And then the team got hot and essentially Dominic Ducharme had to do nothing. Like that entire run was not like a coaching run. It was everybody playing like above and beyond their normal means playing out of their minds, Carey Price playing out of his mind. Like, was that the coach that did that? But you, you then know. were like, yeah. huh? You never know. It could well, be, there could be motivation. I mean, but but the fact that the... he nearly, nearly bungled the team up at the point that they missed the playoffs. Right. So we have like, like 20 
some odd games of regular season that he was a bad coach. Then the team rallied back and beat the Maple Leafs and then rallied through two more rounds. Mm -hmm. So, and then because he made the Stanley Cup finals, you're like, well, I guess you're the head coach. Cause it's weird to like take that job away from the guy that's gotten you the closest to the cup of all time. Even though there's a lot of arguments that coaching was not what got them there. Like everybody playing out of their minds was. Hmm. And like maybe he motivated them or whatever else like that. But motivating an us against them and na 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 for like two months is way different than an 82-game season. The other coaching element, too, is that he had to only coach against six other teams in Canada. So like he only needed to know the game plan of six teams. And then the first two rounds of the playoffs, because they were still in the bubble, were against two of those six teams that he already like had playbooks on. Then he coached against Vegas, one, and then we lost against Tampa. So he hasn't coached against, you know, 25 other teams that they now need to deal with of every night, different team, different play style, different whatever. So there's like a big hole in coaching. And also the players are not really performing and Carey Price isn't playing and Shea Weber's not playing and Philip Deneau no longer works for the team and Kasperi Kutkaniemi no longer works for the team. There's a lot of, a lot, a lot of reasons why the Habs are a big dumpster fire. But I don't think anybody outside of maybe the Dominic Ducharme factor predicted that the team on paper would be this bad. I thought they would be like probably on the outside looking in, but like near the bubble. Mm -hmm. That was my, like my, my tough, but reals take was probably looking at a ninth or 10th finish, not a like dead last in the East worst start in franchise history. Kind are, of. Are they trashing the season to get a good pick in the next? No. Season? So that's the thing in the off season, they did make a couple of big ticket signings to try to replace the players that were going to be lost. Yeah. Giving a lot of money to like, they could have just sat on cap space. If the plan was to tank. Happen. And they also traded away a first round pick just before hmm. the season started uh, mm -hmm. to get Christian Dvorak. Yeah. And is Dvorak not working? No one's working. Not, no one's working. No one's exactly. That's it. It's like you can't really hang it on Dvorak and Hoffman or whatever because like they're they're doing okay. Hoffman got like, hurt, and Dvorak's doing as good as the other forwards. Savard is bad. Savard is bad. Yeah, that is that is true. Hmm. But yeah, the the whole the whole forward team is just like not clicking and whatever else. Like they rarely, if ever, score more than two goals in a game. It's like it's gross. Although Saturday night's game was hilarious. <laughs> hilarious whoopsie by the Pittsburgh Penguins who had three empty net goals scored against them because <laughs> they just kept believing that they're like man the Habs are bound to mess this up we're the Pittsburgh Penguins we can we can overcome a two goal deficit a three goal deficit a four goal ah damn it we messed it up <laughs> they literally pulled the goalie got scored and then repeated that action two more times that's too many times Wow. It is, and three, I don't, I can't even imagine. I, I really do not remember three empty net goals in my entire life. Like I've seen two occasionally. Mm, right. That's rough. Three. Here's, here's a fun stat that I, I, I learned today. I sent it to you, Keith, already. The last oh. Canadians player to be drafted by them and score a point a game for a season was Stefan Richet, who was drafted in 1984. To be fair though, a point, point a game players are a lot more rare than they used to be. Okay, but in the 80s, they weren't. In the early yeah. 90s, they weren't. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's almost 40 years that <sighs> they've drafted one player who's been a point-a-game player for the team. They drafted two others who were point-a-game players for other teams. <laughs> well, I, I remember reading one of those articles that just, like, the Habs have an incredible, like, one of the, one of the greatest, like, 
drafting records of the last 25 years, but like those players are not on the team anymore. Yeah. Like in so many cases. Uh, and you can't, you know, so, so yeah, so Jeff Gordon is stepping in as what now? Uh, executive vice president of hockey operations. Right. He's the and, GM's and again, boss. Yeah, exactly. And the rumor is, is that like it, the GM is just going to be a yes man. Right. Based on what he did in New York, New York, so not just, just a, hire... not just a yes man, uh, a media personality, a media person. Cause Jeff Gordon does not do interviews or press mm-hmm. availability. And that's why he had um, Davidson in New York who does yeah. do that very, very well. Yeah. It's, it's, you, you, like, I mean, like it's totally going to be like a Mario Tremblay or something like just some, some former French Canadian have. <sighs> It's totally no. going to be that. It's 100% going to be that. I, I heard a Patrick Wall. Very exciting. Hmm. Probably you don't think he wants to coach. No, I think he wants to jam more than he wants to coach. And I think he would take having someone to answer to professionally if he got the chance in the league again. Uh, hmm. I also heard Matthew Darsh, who's the assistant GM uh, to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Darsh. And I also heard kind of an outsider pick was Pat Brisson, okay. who is the, the hockey agent to a lot of hockey players, hmm. which is kind of a weird. But then who do you, who do you coach? Who, who gets to coach? Whoever yeah. the gym interviews for. You, you, don't, you don't hire the coach before the gym. Man, it's going to be Bruce Boudreau. He doesn't speak French, though. It's a trick. His <laughs> <laughs> uh, so last name is Boudreau. Checks out. Wait a second. Yeah, I think that all depends on who the general manager is, who, who their yeah. coach is going to go and get. Well, I mean, it kind of, but who the general manager is is whoever Gordon picks, right? So, and also, yeah, and you were, I know you mentioned and you, Molson. You, you, Molson's going to be involved too because whoever the general manager is is going to be the guy doing the press conferences and and the public appearances and stuff. And yeah, Molson yeah. wants someone he can work with. And I know you tossed out like Gordon selection of like Kako and uh, Lafreniere. Lafreniere, but I'm like, but no, those are consensus picks, dude. I'm like, those are not Gordon guys. No, but development. They were the develop part of his Rangers development squad. That's true. His his AHL affiliates, his scouts, his. Well, I mean, Lafreniere never played in the AHL. And... Yeah, maybe you should have. That's that's a... <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> you know. Yeah. He still, he still only got like seven points this season. So, I mean, more than most of the Habs forwards, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, sure. But more he than, was supposed to be the than, one more than Caulfield than Suzuki. They're both those guys are supposed to be our boys. Suzuki for Lafreniere? Is that what you're saying? In a heartbeat. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, I don't know about that. I, I do. I mean, Montreal would, but I don't know about that. I would still take it. I don't know. I, I mean, j- just for age, I do not think, like, I was like, weirdly, Suzuki's very, very young, but I was like, I don't know. I, I don't see, like, four or five years from now. Like, I see the team being good four or five years from now. Like, not anytime soon. There's so much dead weight that has to move. So, mm. age down. Anyway, it's bad times, John. Bad. T- I stopped watching, basically. <laughs> I, I, I read. Not watched- I read. I watch the highlights. It's yeah, I watch highlights. three hours of that. Yeah, the team is bad, and as we said, like the the league is also not doing itself any like endearing favors on like a moral standpoint with making a big yeah, noise. And then there's a whole bunch it... of rapey stuff going on, right? 
Well, one big rapey thing. One big rapey thing. We did. We yeah. We talked about that. I think a couple oh, yeah, episodes last. ago. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. And I, and it's just speaking of weird rapey things. I heard that oh. uh, a Ooh, rumor fuck. on Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman saying mm-hmm. you know like uh, Bergevin and Molson were thick as thieves, and maybe one of the first cracks was the Logan Mayu pick. I mean, it did put Molson into hot water he had to take out yeah. a big old page ad and the company looked stupid and da 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 and like did he know that was going to happen like how much how much did did Bergevin I feel that's something you run upstairs before you do yeah but how much like there's a guy there's a little controversy in in Sweden and you know you don't know how he sold it to him I I still I think we, we've discussed that pretty extensively on the show too yeah. that it's like it is not it is not unforeseeable that it happened. It was unforeseeable that it happened and nobody had a prepared statement. The Trevor Timmons <laughs> interview is still the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we told you about that, right, John? Yeah. yeah. Just, just long, awkward pauses. I'm like, just hand the guy a, like a prepared friggin' cue card that explains Anything. what you're going to do. Like, you have PR people. He was the head of scouting and assistant general manager of the team. And says that he had met with him beforehand. So he at least had to know there was an outlying possibility that the kid was going to get drafted if you met with him last week. Like, write a couple bullet points in case you picked the, Jesus. the shithead. Yeah, no. I think Bergevin is going to get another job in the NHL. I do not think Trevor Timmons will. I think he's mm-hmm. he's going to take a couple years off and... Maybe go work in the queue or something. Mm-hmm. Well, Bergevin, the where did he want to go? Was it LA or whatever? There was like talks of that even at the beginning of the season that he was talking with what's his name or whatever else that there was some some job waiting for him in LA possibly. Vancouver might yeah. need a general manager soon. Yeah, they're also a trash fire. There's such it's such a there's so many like the worst part about the Habs being so bad is that they're still not the worst team in the league. I was like, what happened to this league? Yeah, but Arizona started the season trying to be bad. Montreal yeah. is still there, neck and neck with them. That's true. Arizona mm. doesn't have an NHL goaltender. That's messed <laughs> up. I mean, I mean, they saw that you didn't really need one to beat the Leafs last year, and then they were like, uh, um. I wanted to ask something before the pause that the listener won't hear. John, did you watch, I meant to ask you this like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. the League of Legends cartoon on Netflix? No. No, I no? have not. I, mean, I heard, heard it was good. It? I heard it I was heard good, good things too. But the thing is, you can never know with the League fan base whether it is actually good. Remember Imagine Dragons? You ever hear any of that? Yeah, they sing the song Pain. Pain! Right. Is that not a League-related thing, or is it just like a meme in League league people? I don't know. I don't know. They're like a rock band. Yeah, they're a real band. I mean, real and like were both used there kind of to mean the same thing. I I mean, they're a band. I don't think it is. Anyway. I, I don't know. I didn't watch any of that stuff, and um, I, I, I can't bring myself to care. I actually reinstalled League. Maybe a month or two before the baby was born. I just, like, tooled around for a couple of days. Man, I have no interest in going back. No mo. No I mean, like, mo. I watched the Castlevania anime, and that was pretty good, and I watched some of the Dota. One. Yeah, that I mean, bad. Netflix has been doing pretty good with their, with their cartoons, no? I was going to say, I saw people <laughs> saying, like... Show made me want to play League. Installed League. 
uninstalled league stopped watching show (laughs) (laughs) it was just like wow this game looks great and they're like no the game is so like toxic and shitty that i don't even want to watch the rest of the show i think that's obviously a meme but like yeah the thing is you can get away from that toxic and toxic shittiness if you just don't play ranked like people Mm -hmm. playing in the in the casual leagues is way chiller and there's all these like non-ranked game modes that are like the games are faster nobody gives a shit it happens super fast everybody's having fun it's like it's like it's still super fun in that in that, that regard. All right, let me top up on a story that I talked about a couple months ago, and we have the, the shocking conclusion. You guys remember the FAA um, 737 MAX scandal? Mm-hmm. Any other scandals? Okay, so anyway, two... Is the sponsorship I'll, I'll, scandal, no? Yes, no? no maintenance I'll, issues? Or... No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recap it super fast. You just tell me if I'm getting boring with this, because for some reason I've been getting way into aviation stuff recently. So there are two, two 737 MAXs crash within like eight months of each other, killing 400 some odd people. Um, Boeing, who makes the 737 MAX, says that it's totally the uh, pilot's fault. There is uh, these huge investigations. They ground the fleet of 737. 737 mm-hmm. happens to be the most popular short, I think it's a short range plane, but it's like a, like a smaller body plane. Okay. You know, the, the story is really, really, really interesting and goes super deep. So, very quick recap. You you might have heard of 737s when you were a little kid, right? Like, why are they still talking about 737s? It's because it takes a shitload of money and a shitload of time to authorize a new plane for flight. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what happens is they, they just make upgrades to existing models, and then that's why you have the 737 MAX. This version of the MAX is actually the MAX 8. And over time... The, the extra number of seats that they've jammed into these planes has distorted the balance of the plane so much that the plane is at a very high risk for flipping out in random directions and going out of control. And the thing is, if the pilots don't respond fast enough to this flipping out, the plane will just fall down and crash. Mm-hmm. So rather than engineering a plane that would be resistant to flipping out and crashing, because and any of those engineering changes would involve making a new plane and getting it recertified. What they did is put a computer on the plane that when it notices that it's about to flip out, the computer engages without talking to the pilots and makes takes corrective action. You would say that this is okay. That's a little crazy, but it's not no. so crazy. You know, a lot of the time people fly on autopilot most of the things. The, yeah. the, an AI on the on the ship, not an AI, but like a you know, an automated whatever is gonna is gonna react. Yeah, it's like it's making the correct decision. Like if in this threshold is obtained correct to this level, da 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 it's making the like the, the smart choice. Not no, that. you see no 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 no. No. See I'm gonna say I don't buy that at all because I've seen cars that where you push a button to parallel park and then knocked <laughs> over a fire hydrant. Right. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, but at the same time, I've also just seen a guy drive straight into a fire hydrant. Oh, no, no. Who <laughs> just there. drove straight into a fire hydrant and was like, whoops, I was looking at my phone. I'm just saying that, like, cars have, like, just a set group of, what, four or five moves to parallel park a car? And that computer is just like, hur, 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 I don't know what I'm doing. Sure, but at I, didn't, the same time, I did not anticipate the, the snow. Uh, one would hope, though, you have like a fleet of Boeing engineers designing these things. They could make right. it so that, it, you know, they could make a car that wouldn't bump into fire hydrants if that I mean, was As opposed job. to the fleet of like Mazda or Toyota engineers. And like yeah. also the, argu- the argument, too, though, is like someone was there was someone was talking about like those self-parking cars where they, they were still like significantly less fender benders 
with the self-parking cars than people parking, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, they are occasionally bumping into things, but actually at a significantly less, like smaller rate than most trained car pilots parking. Okay, so, but that's, that's a bump. I'm talking about a plane now. Well, right, but you're. But the thing is, but if the computer makes a little they, problem with the car, like, oh no, I knocked my hubcap off. But if you're going to trust <laughs> the, plane, the pilot or the computer to make the correction. My point is, the computer's probably making the better correction than the pilot. The fact okay. that there's a correction at all is kind of insane. But so, so here's here's what happened. Okay, so the the computer that does this does this adjustment. Number one, problem number one is that the pilots didn't know that there was a computer that made those corrections. Yeah, that's wild. Why is that? Because because there's like rather than going to training classes, which are expensive, what they do is hand the pilots an iPad with updates. And mm. Boeing decided that this was a small enough change that the pilots would not need to know that there was this thing. Okay. Problem number two was that how does how does the computer know that it is flipping out of out of angle? Well, you have special sensors on the outside of the plane that would that that determine the angle that the plane is flying at, and it tells the computer, right. and then and then if it's changing too fast, whatever. The thing is, those sensors are really expensive, so having more than one of those sensors is an additional paid option that Boeing just decided not to do, and so. These sensors are also really prone to getting jammed up with ice and reporting the wrong thing. So that's why you would have four or five of them on a plane. Mm -hmm. All the cheapo versions of the 737 Maxes only have one of those things. And they get jammed up with ice and then accidentally like report that the plane is completely out of angle. And then, uh, and then this thing kicks in. And of course, it isn't actually out of angle. And then the pilots are there using their physical muscles to wrestle the plane back into, into direction against the force of the plane's hydraulics. So yeah. when both of these having planes no crashed... Having no idea what's going on because having exactly computer that's just doing it on the side. <laughs> and in fact, they had turned off all of the, the computers on the plane and then turned it back on again. And of course, the, the angle of attack sensor was out of, out of alignment when the computer came on. So it's mm -hmm. like, you remember when you would turn on your your your, um, your joystick on a computer, and if you would, if you press the joystick when it calibrates, then it like always is shooting you up. Yeah, I don't know if you guys ever had that happen. Well, anyway, that happened on a real plane with hundreds of people on it, and they all died. So that that was the story six months ago, and then what happened in the last two weeks was the the culmination of this whole thing. So they investigated Boeing, they went back to the engineering teams that made all these decisions. They found that some of the software was written by like seven dollar an hour guys in India because they had triple outsourced the, the, the development of the software. They found that there was a problem at Boeing that like Boeing used to be known for its engineering guys and all of those engineering guys got fired and replaced with business guys. So they started making all these really shitty decisions. Mm -hmm. Anyway, what happens? One guy, only one guy by the name of Mark Forkner, who was the chief technical pilot for Boeing during the certification process of this, um, he got indicted got in a lot of trouble, and then he got a deferred indictment. So he actually doesn't have to go to jail or anything. The end of the story, Boeing killed 400 people, completely fucking got away with it, no punishments whatsoever. Justice. Business. There it is. Too big to fail. How big, big is to too big to fail? Good question. I could comment on that as well. There, there were, before this whole thing happened, more than 7,000 737s on order. Each one of these things was in the order of hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't forget the exact number, but if you added it all up together, it's something like 3% of the total U.S. Um, economy is wrapped up in orders of these fucking planes. So it was a big deal when they all got shut down. 
Anyway, now they're all back in the air and flying. We they fixed it over yep. our houses. <laughs> we did it, Reddit. Yep. Oh man. Speaking of uh, of justice. Yeah. This is a stretch. Is it Kyle? What? Is it Ahmad? No. What? No. I was gonna say it's the when you can't uh, like get justice, you could put a bounty on someone and then pay them in woolongs. Ah. I watched Cowboy Bebop on Netflix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How did that go? We, we talked I, so much. You've been pumped for this for fucking a year. I, uh, well, no. I got progressively pumped for it because of the mm. things I liked that I saw. I like it. I can see why some people don't. <laughs> I think some of those people are babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and And it also does not start strong, which I think is a pretty big mark against it. Like very few TV shows do. Right. But like you're working from, so here's what happens. There's actually, so if you watch the first episode, which I think Scott, how much have you seen? Three. Three. If you watch the first episode, there's a scene that is not from the show on a uh, casino. And that is cool. Like it's really, it's cool. gets the dynamic, has like a bunch of like badasses being like, what are you doing here? Spike playing it all cool. Being like, I don't know, man, I just here plays a bet and like whatever. Then obviously kicking a bunch of ass. It goes all sideways. They accidentally punch a hole through the wall. And then it's revealed, of course, this casino is in space, sucking everybody out. And it's a mm-hmm. whole hijinks. They don't get a bunch of money because they have to pay damages to the casino. Mm-hmm. Roll tank, Yoko Kano, hooray. Then it proceeds to be, as Scott put it, uh, a cover band version of the first episode of, of actual the anime. Yeah. That's not the worst. Not the worst, but it's at the same time where you're kind of like... It's like that Sin City thing where you're like, okay, this is just the comic moving, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, and which can be cool, but you're like, they were really not doing anything. From episode two onwards, they start to veer off the path a little bit and tell the same story differently. And it starts to kind of get better. I think I'm six or seven episodes in and I'm, uh, I'm enjoying myself. Mm-hmm. The, the big criticisms are a vicious. lot of people. Vicious is one of the big criticisms. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, yeah, you know that's that's a good place to start with criticisms so my t- like my take is that the creators of the show were in like a lose-lose situation with vicious because vicious is supposed to be this ultimate badass right like who is like spikes equal in every way but like more cut but he uses a sword exactly but then at the, but then you have to understand that this is a character with like long white hair with a raven on his shoulder with a flowing trench coat who uses a sword in a world where guns exist and are like, you know, good. Like they're not like old timey guns even. <laughs> like they have real future guns. And this guy is like, a sword is my chosen weapon and you will shed tears of crimson. Stuff that he's, works in he's an like anime. An edgelord anime badass. Exactly. Yeah, Stuff yeah. that works real well in an anime does not work live. And I feel like the creators realized it and just like, tuned that same vibe into slightly pathetic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like still a threat, still a monster, still an unfeeling jackass, still combat, whatever prowess level, still power hungry, but also a little unsure of himself and pathetic. And I think it kind of works. Cause you're like, yeah, that guy with blonde hair with the katana. What? Come on now. Like, what's he actually doing? And even Sarah, Sarah was like, Oh, I like the fact that he's like, kind of a dork like and just gets angry at his wife and all that stuff and you're like absolutely the character of vicious in the show is a kind of pathetic person and a lot of people really don't like that 
And I kind of thought that they were in a tight spot because if they mm. played him straight, he would look probably even more dumb. Like, and, and if they redesigned him top to bottom, the fans would hate it also, right? Like, <laughs> I, I see it, but I kind of wish they would have put that patheticness more behind closed doors and had him be, you know, that, that scene where he gets pulled in with his wife to meet yeah. the syndicate bosses. Real pathetic there. Real pathetic there. But when he was still working with his, his goons, come across as cool and, and icy and not kind of like nervous, anxious, chittery, hyper-violence. Well, yeah, but I mean, hang on, though. If we're, We've all watched the series, though. Spoilers. Shin and Lin always are kind of expecting Spike to show up, right? They say it at the end. Yeah. So are they really his right-hand men? No, they're just <laughs> buying time with Vicious, expecting Spike to show up oh. and take over. So, like, we know that that's actually those characters yeah. are and like Spike's guys. The other thing I didn't like about the first episode, and this is such a weird minor thing, but it bugged me, was that they reused a lot of the music from the show in the first episode. When I know that they so got good. the composer. But they got the composer from the original anime to come back and do new music. Hmm. And I was like, And then they do yeah. play new music in the new ones. Like, in the first yeah. episodes. It, it, it's like they, they felt like... I think the first episode was really, really, really trying to get fans on the side and in the process of it kind of alienated. But and and it almost it, it almost felt like it should have been released on YouTube before the series started. Hmm. Or something. Because right? it, it like, gets better. It gets significantly better. <laughs> like, well, like two and three were great. And mm-hmm. uh John Cho is great as Spike. Danielle Pineda is an amazing Faye Valentine. Is it season episode three? No, it's episode four. <laughs> but there's like a moment where she like she just like runs in hasn't seen the guys for weeks but like with a bullet hole she's like oh my god you wouldn't believe this and just like grabs like one of their cups and just like drinks it she's like oh it's been such like what is that they're like it's water she's like gross and like has not explained like anything you're just like (laughs) i was like i'm here for this yeah and she's like you guys are not going to believe what happened and they're just like trying to eat grilled cheese sandwiches like (laughs) they haven't seen her like since episode one shitty (laughs) food is such a good meme for that show Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fun. Uh, I I like it. It it's grown on me. There's a, a, the other some of the other um a lot of the other criticisms are like the constant use of like Dutch angles, like everything's on a zany angle and like the real leaning into like a lot of the the the, the cinema tropes. Mm-hmm. And which again don't bug me because like th- they're leaning into the cinema tropes that the anime was ripping off. Mm-hmm. And but it, and it kind of makes sense that now that it's live action, they would lean more into the cinema tropes than trying to reproduce the anime. So like make like those like yeah like when someone runs upstairs, the stairs on a wonky angle because like that's in every black and white noir film ever. You know like mm-hmm. like if you're doing the like Spike, they do um, when they do the episode where like Spike goes back to like hang out with his cop friend and puts on the hat and the suit and all that stuff. Yeah, nothing is nothing is level. Everything's on a weird angle and there's like like at all times smoke is everywhere. And I'm like yeah, that's 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 jet black yeah exactly and that's kind of what the show was going for but the show wasn't necessarily like leaning in leaning into it as hard but it was still ripping off those tropes Mm, i don't know that that episode in the anime is very noir oh i without a doubt but i'm just saying but like it's not as stylized because it never really like breaks being bebop style like the animation style doesn't change whereas the shooting style does change episode to episode in 
the show. Yeah, that's fine. I my my biggest boost for it is that fifty year old comedy actor from Harold and Kumar go to White Castle uh, does better kung fu than the Iron Fist guy, <laughs> which is a show about kung fu. Oof. There is also also I find there there is a weird thing that the fights could be better edited. They like they speed up and slow down at weird times, and like yeah. it's it's just it's the a weird thing. Kinda, the, the anime did that too, didn't it? it had like yeah, a jacket kind of stuff. But again, usually it was like sticking to its own style, and this yeah. kind of seems like they're trying to make it look like it. It sort of makes it seem like they're trying to make it look like cheap, like kung fu, but then it also ultimately just looks cheap as as opposed to an homage. Like it's they don't quite nail it right every time. When they do nail it, it's kind of fun. Like the weird, like stop, pose, move, huh, and like whatever, like that, the zooms, the quick zoom in the middle of the fight, and all that stuff. Yeah, like yeah. all that stuff's right out of kung fu movies, more so than the anime was. And <laughs> it just it doesn't always land. Like sometimes it just looks cheap instead of it looking like an homage to cheap kung fu. It looks actual cheap kung fu. Interesting. But I also, hmm. I also I'm on like... board with it. I, I my critiques are nitpicky, and um, I'm into it. I just, uh, I find it very chewy. I find it hard to sit down and watch a whole bunch of it just because it is a lot of style. It's not just style, but there's a lot of style and you kind of have to watch it and look at it hmm. and compared you, to the other show that I've been watching. I was going to say, but have you heard the, uh, have you had the, the, the radical Edward spoiler and all that stuff? No, I haven't. And don't spoil it for me. I haven't even seen who's playing or anything about it. Okay. Tune in I'm, next I'm, week for that. I'm hoping, I'm hoping it'll get there. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I started watching with Marissa the Wheel of Time series on Amazon. Ooh. Oh, no. Is it awful? Yes, but in an excellent way. <laughs> okay. Isn't you like The Witcher? Mm, I no. did like The Witcher, but it's different than The Witcher. Okay, because a lot of people were just sort of like, I, the comparisons were, were fast. We're like, fantasy doesn't have to be so serious all the time. Look at The Witcher. The Witcher kind of made fantasy and covered it with mud all over the place. Mm-hmm. And mud and uh, that one episode of The Wire where everyone says fuck all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's, uh... that's The Witcher. Uh, Wheel of Time is sort of like Game of Thrones season two, season three mixed with your favorite D&D campaign in that it's ridiculous and all the characters are almost archetypes because it's from those books which were not super well written but were super fun at the start like book one two and three of that series were were fun even if they weren't great and the show kind of captures that it's not great and it's only one or two steps ahead of like Hercules and Xena in terms of, of style. That's okay, though. There's space for that in the zeitgeist. Yeah. It's not a but big space. Well, but but it, is being, it is being sold to us like the next Game of Thrones. Like, that is that is the the meta. Well, yeah. I mean, it should be sold to you as the next Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones was not great. Well, no, it was until it wasn't. It was good until it was mm. bad. I would say it was border, good, bordering on great until it was a mess. Okay. I would say Game of Thrones suffered from a severe lack of fun. There were things that yeah. took a long time, even though they were dealing with your favorite characters. You're just like, oh, 
oh, this scene is really good in the books and I want to see it played out. And then you kind of have to drag for a couple more hours of watching before something fun happens again. The seasons I watched, I, f- I found it like zippy enough to enjoy. Like, I, yeah. like the books certainly dragged shit out. I don't know. I felt like I was watching for the next moment. Oh, like, huh. oh, you know, Tyrion's trial is coming up. I'm just going to sit there. But like, I don't need to see three hours of him sitting in the the moon cell. That was awesome, though. Yeah, but it was long. It was mucky. And Wheel of Time doesn't have powerhouse performances, but it's fun. The the episode I just watched was where they're escaping the Trollocs, and they end up in the dead city, and Matt ends up finding that cursed knife. Hmm. Dead city looked cool, and it was creepy, and it happened real fast, and he... They, they had to get chased out of there by the, the creeping darkness and it was fine. Like it didn't have to take, you know, 70 minutes to tell that story. It's cool. But is, like was, it. is there high politicking in game of, in wheel of time or is it just like they pretend to have high politicking? Yes, that's it. Exactly. They <laughs> pretend to have high politicking and when so, it I mean, does, that, that, so that, that kind of gives you, if you're like the showrunner, you can just be way more zippy with shit, right? Because you're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. there's not really any nuance here anyway. Wee! <laughs> and that, that's what ended up being the bad part of the book series. Like around book six or seven, you start getting really into the the politics of the Aes Sedai. And you're like, I just, I, please shoot some arrows and use magic. God <laughs> damn it. How far into a Wheel of Time are you? I've watched them all. They're being released on a weekly schedule. Oh. So um, I think we watched four. They were being released on a weekly schedule until 2040. I was going to say, so <laughs> are, they doing, are they doing the whole season is book one, or are they spl- splitting book one up? Because, man, if I remember correctly, it was like 700 pages. And they get longer in the next few yeah. books. Yeah. Uh, I'm four episodes in, and they are taking their time with it. So, hmm. Good God. But, I mean, those books read like, like popcorn for sure hollywood cereals from the 40s like they just pop 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 there's always something happening so did you guys see the conan with jason momomo yeah i think so what did yeah. you think of that i'm a big conan fan yeah uh, me too if you know I liked that, it. it was fine it was kind of that i was like i was like this is fine <laughs> i hated the third act if I recall I think correctly. I turned it off before the third act, but I don't really remember the third act. I don't, you know, that's what when... it, could, it could have, it could have been probably been a big CG mush fest and then just blended away. Yeah. That's it. The witch put on that weird crown thing uh, yeah. and it turned to a big CG fest. And I was like, Oh, he mostly oh, just yeah. needs to stab a big snake. He doesn't need to fight a CG God giant. That was Is probably my biggest. Beam? Are we doing a giant light beam? Actually, we're doing a giant starfish. What? <laughs> that was yeah. my biggest criticism of the film was that I felt like it went really high fantasy. Like there was like magic and fucking shit everywhere. Whereas, you know, maybe maybe it was only low fantasy because that's what the effects that they had access to in the eighties. But I always my my version of Conan is always kind of low fantasy, low magic. There are monsters and there are magic and wizards and shit, but they're they're like kind of toned down a little, you know. Yeah, like I've read uh, maybe 20 of the novels and like really? 300 comic books and yeah, I'm a big Conan fan. And the magic in Conan, the books, is mostly like hypnosis, summoning, yeah. maybe lighting candles and putting them out. Like at the, the most powerful wizard in Conan is like a Jedi, you know, like a Sith Lord. They I don't, don't understand have... why they don't stick to that shit. It would be cheaper to make the movie, too. The giant light beams. 
<laughs> I mean, like James Earl Jones in the first movie is not far off from a typical Conan evil wizard. His name was Thulsa Doom. Thulsa Doom. Yeah. yeah. Like he, he has persuasion and you're not sure what it was or, and then right. he turns into a snake, but you're like, whatever. That's... Okay. But, but his big wizard shit is he pulls out a, the arrow and the snake and then he turns the snake into an arrow and he goes seek. And then he shoots it and like a million miles and it kills Valeria. And yeah. like, but that's like, it's not like a gigantic fireball. It's not like calling down asteroids or whatever. It's like, he, he doesn't turn into a 50 foot smoke monster. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't even go like mummy level of, of magic powers. It doesn't yeah. cause a sandstorm or anything. I'd love and to see a Tony show of that. Yeah. There's so much to draw on, you know? It was an animated series, no? Conan mm-hmm. the Adventure is amazing, that was wonderful. but not that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's for kids, and it's awesome. And Have you seen Tubi. it as an adult? Yeah, it's on Tubi now. I watched the whole series. Does it hold up? It's great. It doesn't have the same emotional punch that I remembered it having when I was mm-hmm. a, a, a young teenager. Yeah. Um, but man, that that show moves at a fun clip. Is that it's, the it's comparable? The yeah, needle, yeah. needle, pomegranates. Yeah, yeah. pomegranates. Yeah. Uh, but like that one's fun, sword and sorcery for a cartoon, and there's not a whole lot of that in the world that's yeah. not Japanese. He man, he man's terrible though. He-Man the is OG He Man, yeah, that hurt. Yeah. It hurt to go back and look at it. And then the one-two punch, bam! You watch an episode of it, and you're like, "Oh, this is crap." And then you watch the the toys that made us, and you're like, "Oh, the whole thing was a goddamn advertisement for for like plastic figures, <laughs> stolen from Conan." My my childhood, ugh, it hurts. But the the best on the toys that made us episode about He Man was just like talking to some of the toy designers who they were like, "So I looked across the room, and there was a mop," and I was like, "That could be a guy's head." Yeah. <laughs> you're just uh, like, there's another guy. He has a big nose. Nose for a face. His name is Mophead or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, like, and He Man absolutely be, had all of that. To be fair, that toy line was second only to maybe the Ninja Turtles toy line in terms of pump them all out as fast as you can, as mm-hmm. weird as you can. Yeah. Because while He Man is second, He Man's got to be first, even over over Ninja Turtles. Like Ninja Turtles get weird, but they're all like. They have that. They have the excuse of it's mutation, right? So you can like do anything. But the, you're like toy line dimensions later on, and the, multiple dimensions. Yeah. The, the toy line was like Eastman and Laird grabbed five of their comic book buddies and said, "Do you want to work for us designing toys?" Yeah. So they just went banana bad shit crazy. Yeah. yeah, but like, but it fit in the verse. It don't. Ram Man. Not, There's Ram Man. That's what I'm saying here. I'm not. I'm not saying it didn't fit in the verse. I'm just saying He Man and Ninja Turtles just made toys of anything that entered everyone's heads. Yeah, yeah. but that's what I'm saying. But I found that He Man, the universe made no sense. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Like like the Ninja Turtles universe is like true to itself in he-man there's so many like there's no rules tanks, but then there's lasers and there's magic and like swords you know. guys swords <laughs> and then he there's 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 a tornado coming and he turns into he-man and punches it away obviously yeah and does he do that via magic no that's just pure strength yeah, <laughs> like, yeah the the rules of he-man are literally to sell toys <laughs> what the what, what is it the stupid the the Man at arms like truck with the stupid wheels that go like barp barp attack track. Yeah. <laughs> like, Who drew that? And why did they draw it so dumb? 
Like this is how it goes. Blah blah Man, blah, 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 blah blah. We were talking about Netflix stuff and adaptations. That Kevin Smith He Man show is bad. Is it? Yeah, you were saying it is bad. And it was Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah. Whoa! What happened? It, Kevin Smith has been bad for the last like fifteen to twenty years. So yeah, no, like bad. the the Shira one is great on Netflix. It's it's like Steven Universe, but Shira. It's, it's all kinds of weird and great and all about friendship and it's, it's amazing. And the He-Man one is like, hey, hey, do you, do you remember that guy who was in that thing? Yeah. He was great, right? Oh, God damn it, Kevin. <laughs> Just so much. They had the Wonder Bread He-Man in an episode. The Wonder Bread He-Man. I don't know what you mean. Oh, you say man. There was a He-Man figure that wasn't a He-Man figure that was offered by a Wonder Bread mail-in in, like, St. Louis. Mm-hmm. It's like a super rare figure that has no story and, and was given a piece of paper instead of packaging that you had to, like, save, like, 50 bread tabs and mail away for. He's not mm-hmm. He's not a character. He's not in the He-Man universe. He's just something that, like, freaking collectors really want to go after, like the Boba Fett with the shooting backpack thing. And Kevin Smith put him in the cartoon, and you're just like, but he doesn't exist in the cartoon. He doesn't exist. He's not a thing, and he's not. Oh man, it's like he did a bunch of stuff after watching the Toys That Made Us episode. I was like, oh, this this guy was one of the early designs. Let's put him in the background. You're like, uh, it doesn't make it mad though. When I like to watch pro wrestling, RoboCop and Terminator both exist in wrestling. <laughs> and a vampire, if I recall correctly. Oh, yeah, multiple vampires. And a zombie. An actual one of, zombie. One of, the, one of the comedians was just sort of like, like wait a second, if Gangrel's a vampire, why does he spit blood out? <laughs> and then they were like, because Triple H does it with water. <laughs> just like, so that's why. He's like, this is how humans behave. Spitting. <laughs> Drinking something and then spitting it out. It's human behavior. Ask, ask Tajiri. <laughs> the great Muda. Oh, no, but they were shooting poison. It's poison mist. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But you, you wouldn't swallow it. You're just, you're holding it in your mouth so that you can shoot it. Like, Triple H is, like, drinking water for sustenance, but then decides to spit it out. And Gangrel's like, I'll do that, but it's with blood because he's a vampire. As funny as that is, you have to explain Christian and Edge for the rest of their careers as to why they hung out with a vampire for a while. <laughs> Never addressed it. I mean, arguably, they were vampires. Yeah. Or, and then they were like, nah, we're not vampires, we're Canadian. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we get confused. Uh, I think this was the main show, guys. Is there anything that was burning that cannot wait till garbage time? No. Nope. Stay tuned. Go to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash 9to5cc. Subscribe to the 90s Deluxe level to listen to whatever the hell we're about to talk about next. Hi. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. 
We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the Internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 905.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.